You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Joining me right now is a dear friend of mine for many, many years, and I say that with a capital D. Um, Dr. Lynn Jennings graduated from medical school a few decades ago. You still look very young, by the way, but a few decades ago. And uh, boy, has her practice been a zigzag. Uh, She went to work for a group of alternative doctors. Uh, When I met you, you were Mm -hmm. working with them, so I don't know how long you were with them, out in Wichita Fall, Kansas. And I lectured there, and you and I hooked up together and said hello, and we've been friends since. Um, And then you said, okay, Doug, I know... Fungus has been important in here, but I want to go into a more traditional setting. So for the past three and a half years, you've really been in kind of an internal medicine practice where you have been prescribing and doing right out of the book, right out of the, what do they call them, mm-hmm. DMPS books or whatever, um, DM codes. What do they yeah. call those codes? The ICD-10 ICD-10, code now. Yeah. yeah. The ICD-10? I remember mm, when there was ICD-1. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but the bottom line to this is, I know, knowing you, which you liked best, right? Um, but what did you learn? What I want to talk about on this podcast is the difference between kind of allopathic, which you've done the last three and a half years, and preventive uh, medicine where you taught people. So give us the rundown of how it's been. It's been an eye-opening experience. Well, you know, when you come out of medical school, the majority of people will go into an allopathic medicine practice, and unless um, unless they have several patients or they have some uh, friends or or they have the opportunity to meet someone who can direct them, otherwise they're going to stay the path. They're going to continue mm-hmm. on that path because truly it is a path of least resistance. It's very. It's not. It's not very. It's not very hard to go with the crowd. It's very difficult when you go against. Because all your traditional peers yes are allopaths also yes. I mean, you'll exactly. have coffee every morning. You'll meet in the operating room. This patient. We don't care how their gallbladder went crazy. Our job is to do a cholecystectomy, right? Our job yeah. is to take it out. So I know working in operating rooms and working in hospitals for many, many years, you get caught up in that, and there's that camaraderie, and you're doing what the American medical wants you to do and the pharmaceutical industry wants you to do. What happened to you? I mean, I've known you and Greg, and uh, where? Okay, I'm going to just say it because this is a podcast. Where did you go so right? What happened to you that you began questioning? You know, it was a, it was a series. Uh, it was like a series of things that fall into place. Uh, it, you know, uh, call it coincidence or serendipity or whatever. But um, I was very fortunate to have a compounding pharmacist in my town in Wichita Falls, and she was very. She would come out there and she come out to the office and she'd say, "You know, Lynn, we can do other things besides." This, like you look at bioidentical hormone replacement, which is, you know, controversial. And so she said, why don't you come with me to uh, like one of the pharmaceutical company, and not a pharmaceutical company, but a pharmaceutical group. She belonged to the International Compounding Pharmacists of America. So I went like for, uh, like on, uh, went to one of her conferences and it was unbelievable. I was hearing about things 
that I never heard of, that I had not ever heard in any traditional medical conference. Roughly what year was that? That would have probably been maybe um, 98. Okay, good. So, so your appetite was started. Quick. It started yeah. there. So I started looking at that. And then you came to town, and I had some patients that were very, very much a part of the antifungal group. And, uh, and one would come in and she's like, I really need you to write this. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And uh, so, I mean, this is, she goes, he's coming to town. So I came to your lecture and um, uh, saw you and uh, Dr. Holland. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of just, that plus being exposed to things outside of traditional medicine, it was really, really exciting. I, it was, it was just great. Did you, uh, so I know what you're talking about. There was this transition period leading up. Call it divine right. intervention, call right. it serendipity. Something led you up to a period where you went home, and, you know, you're home with Greg and saying, hey, Greg, I learned it this way, but what I'm finding is maybe we're seeing people too late. Maybe if we got that lump when it was uh, head of a needle instead of the size of a golf ball, mm -hmm. uh, maybe I could change uh, people's direction in their health. Whatever you did, it's been dynamic because you have a following. You have kind of a this cult following of patients that follow you no matter where you go. If you go into allopathic, they're going to come. So, they're going to make appointments. I've been so fortunate to have the the wonderful patients that I've had. But you know, to go back to that time frame where I was learning things, when I Interestingly enough, the things that were going on then with like the pharmaceutical group are things that are considered standard of care now. Things that are now finally being accepted. So, you know, uh, like metformin, which is yep. a medication that we use for diabetes. Well, they were using it for, uh, for polycystic ovary syndrome, which was unheard of, now. but now very common. Vitamin D, the importance of vitamin D for your immune system. Now everybody, fortunately, everybody's starting to do check vitamin D levels and suggesting it, and that was unheard of. And okay. so I have great confidence that all of the stuff that you talk about is going to become standard of care in the future. It's just taking longer than usual. <laughs> you were one of the <laughs> practitioners. You know, I went into other Wichita Falls. I, I'd go in, uh, gosh, I'd do in an average year in the... 90s, uh, I'd probably do 10 to 15 cities. And sometimes you'd have 50 people there. Do you know what? I was, uh, I had mixed feelings about that. Gosh, here I prepare a PowerPoint presentation. I right. go all the way. Well, you were with me on one when right. we went out somewhere in Louisiana to a university and did a oh. study and not many people showed up. But then I did the lectures to huge numbers of people. And you know what, Lynn? You don't get to see them. Uh, there's lights in your eyes, and they all no. look like little heads, and they couldn't. It was impersonal. Right. So the personal ones I really liked, where there were 100, 200 people, and they could raise their hand and answer questions. So many of those questions settled on, do you mean I, do you two, you and Dr. Jennings, Doug, do you two feel we can prevent cancer? Now, your typical oncologist would say, nope, it's luck of the draw. Your mom or your grandmother on your mom's side gave you this predisposition, and you can't. But you and I were up there saying, well, here's what the science says. Mm -hmm. um, let me give you a hint, those of you who are women who worry about breast cancer. There are three things we know published in the last decade on breast cancer. Alcohol of any kind 
increases the risk of fatal breast cancers, any kind, right? Wine. Uh, number two, antibiotics increase the risk of breast cancer. Isn't that fascinating? And number three, a high carbohydrate diet or a high starch diet increases a woman's risk of breast cancer. So as Dr. Jennings and I began to unravel that, wait a minute, starch feeds mold. Antibiotics are mold. Alcohol is mold. So we began forming the M word and helping people along those lines. Mm -hmm. People want to know instead of, ooh, I have this huge lump under my arm and in my breast, they want to know, can I prevent that? And you became stellar. I mean, that was really something you love doing is teaching. I do. I do like it. But as we've talked about in the past, um, that traditional health care, and that's the one thing that I, I mean, not that was something that actually was pretty obvious, but it didn't really be, it wasn't as, it's not a reality until you're having to do it. Yeah. Um, there's not time. There's not enough time in a traditional office visit to really do the kind of teaching that you need to do. So you have to, um, that's why things like, like this podcast and the television show and your lectures and things like that are really good to kind of educate the population so they can start trying to help themselves and then... Well, we talk. We have also talked about what can a, what can a patient do. Yeah, uh, yeah. So when they go in to see a doctor, yeah. it what what kind of what can they expect? Because Dr. Jennings, are you where you're working right now? You have to see more patients, right? Right. And uh, so it's kind of hey, Dr. Jennings, we got 15 minutes with Bill Jones, and then we got Margie here. If you're lucky, no, yeah, that's <laughs> not even that's not the tradition. I mean, now it's they really would like you to see 25 to 30 a day. So the rooms are stacked. You stacked. go in from one room to another. You, yeah. How do you keep your mind? I don't. I, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. I, I, I can't it just do blows it. my mind when there's six exam rooms. I don't know. And I having just... a doctor go from, one doctor go from room to room. Okay, Bill, take this Band-Aid, take this shot, take this. I want to put you on these pills. Well, uh, what I've been hearing from patients is, uh, you know, I've been seeing this doctor for five years and he's never even taken a stethoscope and listened to my heart. How I'm like well they're just they're, it's a different it's a different right. way of practicing medicine but I can't do it that, that's that's the bottom line I can't do that I have to have time is there and you really need what I found decades ago was an hour is good with a new patient absolutely you can talk about how long they've lived in their moldy home you can talk about how many rounds of antibiotics they took for their sore throat or chronic sinusitis which by the by is all fungus. Um, you can talk about things that will, you don't have to examine just the patient in order no. to understand why they're sick. You gotta examine their cat or dog at home. You gotta examine their birds, their parrots. You've gotta examine their entire home to understand what's going on with the physiology of that person. Is there paperwork you can advance to a patient when they come in for an alternative? care visit as opposed to an interventive visit? Well, in, in my alternative practice, I yes. would try to send the patients a, a couple pages worth of forms that would, I would get their history. Yeah, and, but that, so they would, I would get, you know, um, I'd also ask them like, have you been on antibiotics? You know, and just for women, different things yep. that you can ask them. And then when they would come in, I would already have that. So I wouldn't have to go through, well, did you have this surgery? Did you have that surgery? Which takes up a lot of time and since it's already written down but I've also noticed if you just let people talk they will tell you what's wrong I mean the their diagnoses are in their history 
Yeah. You know, and, and then they'll tell you how they manage it. So anyway, right. doctor, when I drink alcohol, it gets worse for a couple of days. Absolutely. And you're sitting there thinking they're paying for this? Stop drinking alcohol, you know. But so many people need to be told that. When I moved into this apartment, it's been horrible. You do you know, know how, I, yeah, do you know how many, do you, well, you can imagine, I'm sure, but um, how many patients have come in that are coughing and coughing and coughing and, or, and they smoke? <laughs> and I'll go, you know, really, you really do need to, you really need to, you need to stop. You know, mm -hmm. you really should stop. Mm -hmm. But I've also, I've also found that if you go into the office and you're very demanding with a patient, say, you got to stop smoking or I'm not going to see you or, yeah. and I've heard of doctors that do sure. that, it doesn't help the patient at all. You just go, you know, you know, you it's know that it's not good for right. you, right? Yeah, okay. So what can we do to, can, can I, is there something I can do to help you get down? Same thing with diet. People will... People would rather cut their leg off sometimes right. than, than follow, an, uh, to follow a gluten-free diet or an antifungal diet. They're like, you know, I did it for a week and it was just too hard. And right. it's like, didn't you feel better? Didn't you know? Weren't you starting? I mean, weren't you seeing, starting to already feel better? Yes, I was feeling better. Uh, you know, my sister had patients that she was taking care of that had MS. Mm. When she put them on the antifungal diet. Uh, and one stands out in particular, she would feel so much better. She would be stronger. She would not have pain, but she couldn't follow that diet. She just couldn't, she couldn't do it. That, for her, that was her, her addiction was, hmm. was diet. her food. Yeah, There's she, an old Chinese proverb, so. isn't there? When the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so many of us, for stresses in our personal life, a marriage gone awry, a sick child, et cetera, we find it very hard. It's the wrong time to break that addiction, right? Yes. Do you remember the movie Airplane? I picked the wrong well, day pick, to pick stop sniffing glue. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and so many people are, are like that. But I'm a guy, now I'm, this is the year I turn the big 67, right? I don't have a doctor. Right. When I had to get a, a life insurance physical, this very nice nurse came over and took my blood pressure and temperature and all that stuff. And then we did the paperwork. She said, wow, you're in great shape. You know, Yay. Uh, how old are you? Da, 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 da. And uh, okay, I'll need your family doctor name. I said, oh, I'm my own doctor. Oh, you're a physician. No, no, I'm not. But I, I take care of myself. You can't believe how that impeded life insurance coverage because I didn't have a chart that they could look at. You. Now, I've woken up in the morning with a hip that's sore. That's right. Yesterday's run was 12 miles, whereas normally I'll go six. That's why my hip is sore. I'm not going to do that one again for another week. I have symptoms like anybody else. I now have a grandbaby, so I'm exposed to the, you know, the flu more often than not. Um, but I try and fi I'm analytical. You I'm try to figure like it you. out. Yeah, I try and figure it out on my own and see if without using my get out of jail free card, my insurance card. I can figure this out on my own. A cold's going to go away if you treat it in six days. If you don't, you know, seven days. So I'll just take a lot of oregano oil, drink a lot of fresh-squeezed juices, and I'll get through it. I'm not the kind of guy, unlike most Americans, we are, we have this, we are re-socialized with those ads on TV, get to a doctor. That's not preventive medicine. No, we, yeah, we, are, we have been trained since a young age to go to the doctor as, yeah, you know, they all, and all the television shows with all the good doctors, the Marcus Welby's, yes. all of the, you know, the Dr. Kildare, Kildare right. all those, you know, shows like that, we've all been 
mm-hmm. been trained to mm-hmm. go see a doctor. And you think, you know, you say, what, I don't have a doctor. You know, you didn't have a doctor for them to look at your medical records. Um, I mean, almost, I, I've actually really had the down. same problem because... Yeah. Yeah, yeah as, a, as a lot of doctors you'll find don't and, have and doctors. And my sister. Yeah. My sister went through the same thing, only it's worse for women. Okay. Oh, she yes. She said, the, the nurse said, okay, who's your doctor, dear? You know, she said, well, I don't have a doctor. No, no. Who do you get your annual from? I don't get an annual. And the look of disgust. Uh, well, I did have a child 35 years ago, and I had it in a hospital. You know, child's not grown. grown. I have grandchildren. You don't get, who do you get your mammograms from? Well, I don't get my, oh, and it's. It's true. It's amazing. It's very true. The disdain the medical community has very for people true. who won't get vaccinated. What's the childhood vaccination now? And I don't want to go here. Sometime I want to have oh a whole series gosh. of these with you. But now, by the time a child is two, he's been poked, you know, 60 times or something. Come on, let's get our heads on straight. It's not so much the germ as it is the immunity of the individual. So we gotta, we got to think more about beta-glucan maybe than all these needle pokes. But preventive medicine means to prevent the onset of a disease. You have now decided that's kind of the course you're on. Mm-hmm. You love, like you come on our TV show, you love educating people. You love spending time with people. Uh, and because of who you are and what you've learned, you can help many more that way than intervening. You like this? If you had it to do. do over again, would you do it the same way? Have there been many knocks that you didn't like? No, there have been a few knocks, but mm-hmm. I, part of that is just a learning process. You know, I think that everything happens for a reason, and so, you you know, it's it's like the if I didn't do this, I might not have had this opportunity. So... You know, a lot. Sometimes some of the things that have happened have been extremely humbling. Yeah. And so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And and I've known you for 14 years. I've known you as a friend, and I understand why. And and I know a lot of doctors, but why you personally have chosen the course of most resistance, trying to talk people into changing. Because if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Exactly. If you teach a man to fish. He eats forever. If you teach him, look, let's try and put down cigarettes and alcohol, okay, maybe on a weekend, red wine with the right meal. But most dietitians have no earthly idea that corn might be bad in your diet or peanuts might be bad. Oh, my goodness. Because they assess the nutrients in those and say There's, these are good nutritious foods. Um, but they have no idea that sometimes they're impregnated with this mold that the patient shouldn't be eating. So you're a teacher. I'm thinking, just you reminded me, I mean, there's all these, you know, you can, you make, make me think of all these crazy theories. And so, and you know, I, you have to look back, I want to look back at, at the history of high fructose corn syrup. And, and just, that's just, that's a, I wonder how do you get away from corn when you're dealing with, with all of that. Or, the, you know, or you think of all the babies that were brought up on, on corn syrup, yes. Cairo corn syrup. Yes, that's right. And uh, different things like that. You know, just this is the sickest generation of people that I've yeah. run across. Mm-hmm. And so the good news is that we can change, though. We can change that. Yep. Um, we, can we, make, we can help people feel better that are already that have already got a lot of damage. We can get them feeling better, but we can work on their kids and their grandkids. 
Okay, and get fine. them change their mindset. You're right, and thank God you're a doctor who knows because you've visited both sides of the aisle. Final question: When you graduated from medical school, did you raise your right hand and, and sure say did. the Hippocratic oath? You sure did? did, yeah. Because a friend of mine who is in San Antonio right now, um, he would have graduated maybe eighty six. I eighty five. You were eighty five. Mm -hmm. He said they didn't say it. Wow. Now, no. isn't that interesting how that Hippocratic Oath, look, I will do everything in my power to help this patient get better. You're one of the doctors who really said that oath and really stick to it. Unfortunately, um, we have become a bit placid in our world. We have become, well, if I can earn 180000 a year and, and mend broken arms and so forth, that's good. But how do you dig in deep to the to the other 3.3 million people you don't see each day and convince them that they have more to do with their good health, conversely, or their bad health, than they really know. You took an oath as a healer to help them. And uh, thank you, Dr. Jennings, for keeping that oath. Great talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.